This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. Welcome to the Sufi Heart Podcast with Omid Safi, featuring teachings and stories from the wisdom of the Islamic tradition. Omid invites you to a meditation on the transformative power of love and recalling the necessity of healing our own hearts through healing the world. If you'd like to support Omid's podcast, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com forward slash Omid. Hello, welcome back to the Sufi Heart Podcast with Omid Safi. Uh, it is a pleasure to welcome you back to the second part of our program that deals with the extraordinary mystical allegory, Conference of the Birds by Attar. Uh, in the first part of this uh, episode, we dealt with the introduction where Attar sets up his whole framework for the oneness of existence that we're all already immersed in, introduces us to this tender and maternal image of the prophetic presences. Uh, And in this part, we're going to be dealing with the allegory of the birds themselves. Now, in so many traditions, uh, the bird is always a metaphor for the spirit. Uh, Think about something like the dove in Christian symbolism. Uh, In other traditions, the bird in a cage is seen as a reminder of how we sometimes forget about the fact that our spirits are meant to soar into ever higher grounds. And many Muslim sages, like Ahmad al-Ghazali, and Ibn Sina had previously written texts on this theme of the bird as a spirit, but never had it been developed so fully and so beautifully as what Attar does here. So in the overall context of this story is actually a remarkable device. There is a conference of the birds. There's a gathering of the birds. And the birds are of different varieties. We're going to encounter an eagle. Uh, We're going to encounter a peacock uh, and other types. And each bird actually corresponds to a tendency inside of us. 
there's one bird among them called the Hudhud, the Hopi bird, which is the spiritual guide. This is the guru. This is the teacher. This is the bird that has gone on the spiritual path before, and he has met with the king of the birds, uh, the one that jokingly I like to call the big bird, but try not to think of the Sesame Street character. And the big bird, of course, is God. And Attar already tells you in the very beginning of the journey that when we go on the quest and when we come to have this face-to-face encounter with the divine, we're going to come and see that we ourselves, collectively, all of us together, are a reflection of God. That when we look at God, we see ourselves, and if we look at the totality of us, we're going to see God. There's a great pun that uh, we're going to come back to at the very end of this story that is one of the great masterpieces in all of Persian literature. But we begin with the tale of these birds. And we begin with the tale of this Hopi bird, this guide bird, and with the call that in the beginning he is told to carry with him the scrolls of love eternal. The book of the love that has no beginning and has no end. So Atar begins with this tale of radical love. A radical love which transcends time and space. And it is this love itself which is going to carry us. He goes on to say that this is the love that in time, before there was a time, our souls were reminded of. This is what in the language of the Quran is referred to as the primordial covenant. When we heard through our soul the sweet, melodic, intoxicating sound of the divine, Asking us the ultimate rhetorical question. Alastu Brabakum, am I not the Lord who cherishes you, nourishes you, and sustains you? And the souls responded in ecstasy, Yes, indeed, bear witness, O Lord. For Attar, the whole point of going on a spiritual journey is to stand yet again in witness of the divine, to stand here and now as we stood in the beginning, to behold God as our souls originally said yes to the divine. And if we do that, then we're going to be adorned with this incredible honor of beholding God. And this bird is going to carry in the Quranic narrative a letter back and forth which has the name of God written on it. And it carries the letter in its mouth. And like this bird, we too as human beings are to carry the name of God in our mouth. It is when we chant the name of Allah 
of law. It is when we remember who God is that we remember who we are. And if we go on this journey, we're going to encounter the king of all the birds, the Seymour, the phoenix bird. And in the words of Attar, we remember that he is close to us, but we are far from him. That God is close to us, but we are far from him. In other words, the distance between us and God is not one of being. It is rather one of experience. It is not that we are actually separated from God. It is that we neglect who and what we truly are. And to set out on this path calls for courage. Courage. Remember that in so many languages, the word courage comes from the root of cur, which means heart. To set out on the spiritual path, to learn to explore the inner darkness and the even more luminous light inside of you takes heart. It takes courage. But what a reward there is. So the hood comes, the Hopi bird comes to these gathering of birds and starts inviting them to set out on the journey. And each one of the birds offers a very lame and sad excuse. We're going to encounter these birds and listen to some of their excuses. And this is very telling that Attar begins the tale of this powerful mystical allegory where we set out together to behold the face of God, not by telling us how awesome the face of the beloved shall be, but actually he starts us where we are, lame, sad, seeing ourselves as unworthy. And this is, in fact, a prophetic pattern. The prophet says, speak to people where they are. If you want people to join you on a journey, you got to address them where they are. So where are most of us? Most of us do not see ourselves as worthy of setting out on such an extraordinary quest. In this desire that we have to not see ourselves as worthy. We offer all kinds of excuses. It's actually a terrifying thing for the ego to admit that we are meant to be one with all, that we are actually destined for a cosmic encounter with the source of all existence, that this more limited existence that we have contrived for ourselves is actually quite comfortable. Sometimes I give an analogy to my friends. It's a little bit like the Lion King story from Disney, where Simba runs away from his destiny, goes and lives in the forest, eats maggots and flies, and is singing to himself, Hakuna Matara, until he meets his own hood, 
his own Hopi bird, his own Sufi Kai, Rafiki, who brings them to the place where he looks into the water and he sees the reflection of the face of the king. And that's when he remembers who he's meant to be. Right? Remember that great voice. Remember who you are. And we have to remember who we are. And this Hopi bird, this hoodhood, is going to carry them. So he talks with the nightingale, and the nightingale says, Oh, um, I wasn't meant to see the king of the birds. It's enough for me to love a rose. I am enchanted by the rose, and I don't need to go out on a journey. And the Hopi bird has to gently slap down that excuse and say, well, the beauty of the rose is going to fade in a few days. No, you are meant for something more. You are meant for the beauty that will never fade. Then goes on and meets a different character. He meets a peacock. Oh, how beautiful is a peacock. Feathers of a thousand different colors. And the peacock says, well, you know, it's enough for me to be close to the king of the birds. It's enough for me to get to paradise. I don't actually need to see God. And the Hopi bird says, no, don't settle for just paradise. There is a place beyond paradise. He offers this wonderful poem. If you're a whole human, see all, seek all, become all, be all, choose all. This reminder that we have to choose the whole. We have to become one with the whole and not to settle for simply avoiding hellfire or even just getting into paradise. goes on and tells the story of a duck and the duck being so very careful to do all of the rituals ever so properly that all the ablutions and the prayers are done with such meticulous attention. And of course, it's good to care about the rituals. It's good to care to perform these rituals beautifully and with full presence. But the Hopi bird tells this creature, this duck creature, that now you have become trapped in the ritual itself. And you've got to go beyond ritualism and remember what the rituals were meant for. goes on and on to meet more characters. And every character, of course, these characters, they're all us. They're all inside of us. And they're all offering the same excuses that many of us have offered at different points of our own spiritual journey and our own spiritual not journey. In fact, I think if we look back on most of our lives, many of us can see periods of life that it seems like we have been not journeying, not seeking. 
becomes a little bit like that movie, if you ever saw it, The Groundhog Day, where you wake up with the same alarm clock, you get dressed the same way, you go to the same work, you do the same thing. There's a very powerful scene in the movie where you step into the same puddle, right? And how often is our own existence like this? Maybe there's a person who's just gotten under your skin, and every day, every week, you end up having the same conversation with them, same argument with them. You repeat the same conversation that you've had so many times, you can almost hit play and just play out that old discussion, that old fight. And in the Groundhog movie, eventually, there's a way to disrupt the rut that you're in. There's a way to live a new day, a fresh day, and that comes when you experience love, real love, transformative love. With love, every day sets you out on this journey. So the hood hood is also trying to break these birds out of the rut that they are in, to get us to move beyond the rut that we are in. And every one of them, of course, has an excuse. He meets the falcon, who says, well, you know, I was meant to sit on the arm of the king, and it's good enough for me to be associated with some earthly powers. I don't need to actually go to the king bird. What what has to encourage him? There's a king beyond these kings. One of the creatures that I've always um, felt represents the condition of so many of us is a heron. And the heron is an edge dweller. The heron sits on the threshold of the ocean. It's neither creature of the land nor of the ocean, sits right on the cusp of the two. Maybe it sees itself as being unworthy of going into the ocean. And the hood hood, the Hopi bird, has to tell him, you know, do you see the waves of the ocean? The waves of the ocean are because of ecstatic love for God. Come, come, my friend, into the ocean. You are not meant to sit on the edge. And I wonder how often we have sit, we have sat for far too long on the edge of our own existence. You know there's an ocean right in front of you, but it's terrifying to go in. You see the path that is laid before you, but you think about everything that you would need to change, and we don't. Until someone calls us, someone beckons us, someone invites us to go. Probably the story that I think, I think identifies the condition of most of us, and this is the last of the birds, because this is ultimately the ultimate excuse, is a goldfinch. And the goldfinch, the sweet and tender creature, says, how should I reach close to this splendid phoenix? Union with him, how can it ever be meant for someone as small as me? 
I mean, they're going to burn up or die on the way, but I will never reach him. This is our own condition. And what I love about the response of the hoodhood, of the guide bird, of the spiritual teacher, is that he doesn't argue. He doesn't tell the goldfinch, oh, you are so silly and stupid to think this. He tells him a story. He says to him, look at this love affair that the king has with us. There is a connection between us. There is a relationship between us. If I told you what this heart connection between us was, everyone would be filled with longing. You would come, Pai Kubano John Boz, you would come stomping your feet with joy and scattering your life to get there. He says to him, you think that you are so unworthy, but I'm here to tell you, you wouldn't be able to see the kingbird if you didn't have a heart which was pure and luminous like a mirror. Del you have a heart that is pure and luminous like a mirror. You can see the beauty of the king through this mirror. I'm telling you, there is a mirror in your heart. Learn to look in your heart. If you want to see his face, look inside your heart. Look inside your heart. And he tells story after story after story about how it is that the king offers himself in disguises. That's in fact what so much of the spiritual path is. It's learning to see the king in your everyday encounters. It's learning to see God in the face of every stranger, every friend. Tells a beautiful story that Alexander the Great was a great king and a prophet in the Islamic tradition. Whenever he had a message to send, he himself would dress like a messenger. And disguise, he would come and say, I bring you a message from Alexander. And of course, no one expected him to be the messenger. He said, That king has a way to every heart. The king has a way to every heart. Tells another really beautiful story that there was a king who had a wonderful message to offer. And so he gives a message to a messenger and the messenger rides as fast as he can and he gets to his destination and he sees the king sitting there cuddling and snuggling with a beloved. And he says, your majesty, 
I, I, I didn't pause. I didn't stop. I didn't take any breaks. I rode as fast as I could. How could you be here before me? And the king smiles and says, Man rahi I've got a hidden passageway to his heart. And Atar wants you to know that God has a hidden way to be here. That there is a hidden way for God to get inside your soul. And this he calls the most ancient of mysteries. So to go on the spiritual path, you got to learn about this ancient mystery, which is none other than love. Here Attar says one of the most radical things that the Sufis have to offer us, the Sufis on the path of love. And it's easy to misunderstand this because it at one point can sound like some kind of new age fluff, um, some kind of individualized spirituality, which ends up, can end up sounding like, well, you don't need religion, just go on your own spiritual quest. Of course, all of the people that we're talking about, Attar and Rumi and Muhammad and Jesus and Buddha, these are all deeply grounded and rooted in their own traditions. So what are they telling us? Attar is telling you that most people follow a religious tradition almost as a kind of inheritance. They are a Muslim because their parents were Muslims. They are Jews because their parents were Jews. They're Christians because their parents were Christians, and so on. And he says, no, I want you to aspire towards something more real. I want you to aspire towards something more powerful. And that something more powerful is love. He says, leave aside this inherited religion. Cast your soul aside and choose instead this radical love. This radical love which is higher than metaphorical faith, than inherited faith and infidelity. There is a religion beyond the realm of inherited religion, and that's the realm of love. So when you hear that famous poem that is attributed to Rumi, translated um, in a particular way, as out beyond the realm of right and wrongdoing, there's a field, I'll meet you there. It's a very popular poem in the English version. That's what the original is actually talking about. Leave behind inherited religion and even leave behind infidelity. Come to the real radical love of God that flows through humanity. And if you do, as Attar says, you will see this radical love is the inner core of the whole cosmos. This radical love is the marrow, is the core, is the heart of the whole cosmos. So, how does the Hopi bird get these birds to move. 
gets them to move by telling them the longest and the most provocative story in the whole conference of the birds. This is a powerful and beloved story in all of Sufi literature, and it's the love story. It's the most unlikely love story of a sheikh, an old man called San'an, and a Christian maiden. It's the story of opposites, an old man and a young woman, a Muslim and a Christian. And to understand this story, you have to understand that in the Sufi tradition, a Sufi allegory of lovers and beloved, it is not the story of two people who are each perfectly happy being by themselves, and they just find one another and make each other happier. Right? These are not two interchangeable roles. No, there's a play, there is a dance, there's a tension between a lover and a beloved. And the roles are quite different. The lover begins by saying to the beloved, without you, I don't breathe well. Without you, I don't breathe well. That I have cast aside who I was and I have been born yet again in the fire of your love. And you would think and one would hope that the beloved would turn around and say to the lover, well, I'm so glad you said that because actually I've kind of been feeling that same way about you. But that's not how Sufi love stories work. Um, The beloved pretends to be disinterested, feigns even being cruel. So the beloved's first response is, you old man, Look at me. Look at how beautiful I am. Look outside my door. Do you see those hundreds of suitors who are there waiting for my affection and my attention? Why would I give you the time of day? But don't go. Stay. Burn a little more in this fire of your love. Now, if it stayed at that level of the lover who says, without you, I don't breathe well, And the beloved who says, oh, stay and burn a little bit more, we don't have a love story. We have an abusive, dysfunctional narrative of emotional abuse. What happens in every great Sufi allegory is that at some point, there is a switching of roles. The one who was the lover becomes the beloved. The one who was the beloved becomes the lover. And you keep switching roles. You keep exchanging these parts that you play. And it's when you've experienced love as both a lover and a beloved that you reach maturity and perfection in love. With that as a background, let's go to the story of Sheikh Hassan An and the Christian Maiden. So in this story, the sheikh is said to have been the caretaker of the Kaaba, the house of God in Mecca, for 40 years. One night he has a dream that he's bowing down, bowing down to an idol in 
Rome, and Rome for the Muslim geographers was, of course, Constantinople, Eastern Roman Empire, as we call it. So he sets out and he goes with his friends, trying to figure out what this dream was all about. And he goes and he sees this young Christian maiden, beautiful as she is, and he confesses his love for her. And she says, you old man, you are old. I am so young. I'm so beautiful. But don't go. Stay and burn a little bit. And if you wish to have me, I have some tests for you. And she offers some extraordinary challenges. What are the challenges? I want you to stay. I want you to take care of my pigs. In my pigsty, I want you to drink wine. I want you to burn the Quran, according to one version. Now, these are extraordinarily scandalous acts, right? For Muslims, um, they, as do Jews, avoid eating pigs. Pigs are seen as unclean animals. Intoxication is something that we are to avoid, right? So Muslims uh, typically abstain from alcohol. And the Quran is the very word of God. We kiss the Quran before we even open the holy book. So to burn the Quran would be the most scandalous thing. So think about this. Why would Attar be having the lover tested? Why would, for 700 years, people be reading this book about taking care of pigs and becoming a drunkard and burning the Quran? Is it because the audience is secretly hoping that they can take care of pigs and become a drunkard and, God forbid, burn the Quran? No. It's because they are people who understand the power of the great story. They understand that the more outrageous the story is, the more it means that you take it symbolically and not literally. And so they sing, and for 700 years they recited this. And so the sheikh, Sheikh Hassan An, becomes a caretaker of pigs, becomes a drunkard, and burns the Quran. He surrenders his ego. He surrenders this inherited religion, right? And remember, none of this is to be taken historically or literally. We're in the realm of poetry and myth and allegory and fantastic stories. And Attar even interrupts the narrative at some point that says, don't think that I'm talking about real pigs here. He says, there are pigs inside each one of us that we have to overcome. So the sheikh didn't come to Constantinople, to Rome alone. He came with a bunch of his disciples. And the disciples are like, well, the sheikh has gone cuckoo. The sheikh has lost it. Um, So they leave him and they return to Mecca. And this is very telling. They come and they see the friend of the sheikh when they get back to the Kaaba, back to Mecca. And that friend says, where's the sheikh? 
And they said, oh, we went with him to Constantinople and he, he lost it. He became the caretaker of a pigsty and a drunkard, uh, all for the sake of this Christian girl. And the friend says, and this is so important to understand how the Sufi path of love is also a path that we journey on together. He says, if he became a drunkard, you should have become a drunkard. If he took care of pigs, you should have taken care of pigs. If you call yourself friends, friends do not abandon friends. So the disciples turn back around and they start heading back towards Constantinople. And here there's an intervention. There's a dream of none other than the Prophet Muhammad, the same Prophet that we visited in the introduction as this maternal figure. And the Prophet appears to the Christian maiden with a simple command, now it is your turn. You have been the beloved, now you must go and learn to become the lover. Go and seek after your sheikh. He has made himself humble to you, and you must learn to make yourself humble. So the Christian maiden now starts abandoning the qualities of the beloved and learning to become the lover. She now goes and chases after the sheikh, and the sheikh comes and runs to her. The two of them have this ecstatic union. Return and go back again and be one with this idol that you loved so much. Learn to breathe again with her in sympathy and in intimacy. Go and play your games of love together. So they go, they have this union, and together they return back to the ocean of the divine. They were drops in the ocean, and these drops returned back to the ocean of reality. These drops went back to God, and we too are always returning to God. When the birds who've been offering all of these lame excuses hear this extraordinary story of the lover and the beloved, this is all the motivation that they need to set out on the path. Atar, like Rumi after him, recognizes that real spiritual stories can transform you. That a story that is a sacred tale, that is a story that is about the heart and the spirit and transformation, moves you beyond the apathy of your own soul, beyond being an unbeliever to the majesty and the light that you already are, and propels you on the path. And the birds set out on this path. And there's a marvelous 
sight that they encounter. Attar says, Bud rahi khali yusir ay ajab. Wonder, ah, oh, the wonder. They go to sit out on the path and they notice that the path is empty. So think about this. It's taken so much for these birds to agree to set out on the path. They agree to set out on this journey, on this mystical quest, and they go, and what do they encounter? Nothing. An empty path. There's neither good nor evil on this path. Why is that? Because there's nothing on the quest. There's nothing in the spiritual journey aside from what we bring to it. We bring the good and we bring the evil. The wonder that we experience and the challenges that we experience on the spiritual path, they're all from what we ourselves bring to it. Now, in the interest of time, uh, remember that this is a long story of 4,000 some odd lines. So I will uh, skip through some parts. They go through certain valleys. They travel through extraordinary adventures. There's the valley of seeking. There's a valley of love. There is the valley of intimate knowledge of God. There's the valley of being content with God. There's the valley of oneness. There's the valley of bewilderment. And then there's the valley of not even union, but letting go. Letting go of your notion of yourself as a bounded self, limited self, and remaining in God. Remaining in God. Attar at one point says, you know, it's not even that you achieve union with God. Because to even speak of union is actually that there's you and there's God and these two become one. At some point you just realize that all that there has ever been is the one that you've never been separated from God, that you are of the ocean, in the ocean. But you have to go on a journey to see your own worth. And here's the extraordinary place in the particular story. So Attar has told the birds in the very beginning, We're going to go on this journey, and we're going to see the big bird. And the big bird is God. The sea morp, the phoenix, is God. He tells you the punchline in the very beginning of the story. And the birds go on this journey. They hear the story of the Sheikh Hassan'an and the Christian maiden. They go through these seven valleys. They come around the corner. And lo and behold, without any warning, they stumble upon the divine. 
And for a tar, this is the key point. That the path to God is sometimes quite sudden and unexpected. That the warning signs that you're getting closer to God are there all along, but you don't believe it until you get there, until you experience it for yourself. So here's the great pun that the whole allegory has been building to. We got these birds, and by the time that they set out, there's 30 of them, 30 birds. The word for 30 in Persian is C, C meaning 30, and morp meaning birds. So you have got 30 birds, C-morp. C-morp, 30 birds set out on this journey. And when they come to see the phoenix, the kingbird, the kingbird is called in Persian, what else but C-morp. The word for phoenix literally means 30 birds. And that's the great realization for the soul on the journey to God, which also involves this delicious pun in Persian. It says, In bewilderment, all of these birds look and they look again, and they're still bewildered. Look, that Seamork, that phoenix, is the 30 birds. Now they look at themselves, it's 30 birds, and they look at God, and it is the 30 birds. This one is that, and that one is this. Who's ever heard of such a thing? The body is the soul, and the soul is the body. We're rising beyond all the dualities here. We are in the realm of oneness. And Atar is a clever enough of a poet. He's a wonderful enough of a storyteller. But he anticipates somebody could say, well, you know, you did really well to get the birds to come out to be 30 so that you could have your clever pun. The 30 birds being the Seymour. And Atar says, yeah, you know, um, if you had come back at 40, if you had come back at 50, you would have still seen God as yourself. This is the point of our whole journey. We can sit there and we can read any book, listen to any talk, maybe even a podcast, and have someone tell you that you, my dear beloved, are a mirror for God, that your soul is not cut off from God. You are not alone and you are not abandoned. You are one with the all. You are not even a part of the whole. You are embraced in the all. You are a drop of the whole ocean. You are one with Allah. And yet, until we go on our own journey, until we have our own experiences, 
it's hard to take this truth to heart. And when we do come to that realization, we will all have that realization. For some of us, it might be in the next realm of existence, in the next cycle. But for a select few, it could be here and now that in this world, when we look at ourselves, at our fellow human beings, at animals, at plants, at every passing cloud, at the moonlight, and as the sun that warms your skin, you would see yourself not cut off and isolated from them. You would see yourself bound together through this force that connects us all. You would see your existence as part of the rays of the same divine light. May it be, my friends, that you and I complete our journey. May it be that we rise above the lame excuses that we offer ourselves for why we should not become what we already are. May we go on this journey hand in hand, together, leaving no one behind. May we come to see ourselves as the wondrous reflection of the one. Thank you for your time and your heart and your attention. Um, I hope you have taken these lessons to heart and I invite you to join us on some of the future Sufi Heart podcasts. Until then, I wish you peace and love that elevates and uplifts. Süleyman Kuşdeli bilir This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.